0: This will be number twenty. Um, we we didn't have a podcast last week. I uh, had some things come up, so uh, unfortunately, we didn't we didn't get it out there. Um, I'd hope to talk about kind of the the bubble race uh, for the NCAA tournament uh, around the Big Ten and uh, the big the big storyline um, last week. I'd say it was the uh, the schedule unveiling for next year's. Big 10 uh, conference play. Uh, As I said, we we didn't get that podcast out this last week, but we do have one today, obviously. Uh, The focus, at least originally, was going to be on the NCAA uh, bubble race, uh, as I mentioned, which is really heating up for the Big 10. And uh, we were going to talk a little bit about Maryland, um, the conference newcomer. Uh, has played very well so far um, we were scheduled to have andrew emmer on from Tosquito times which is SB Nation's maryland site but unfortunately he couldn't make it um i guess he got held up uh, at work or uh something but nonetheless he couldn't make it um couldn't get it scheduled so hopefully we'll have him on either next week or uh, maybe beyond that but with him here uh we don't we don't have a guest <laughs> this week as a result but uh i i did want to touch on first off some of the the bubble teams in the big 10 kind of my thoughts uh how things are heading down the line on those teams and i also did want to touch on the, the big 10 scheduling i had promised a, a full rant podcast on that and uh i'm i guess i'll i'll kind of work that in here um not sure I'll go into it as deep as I normally would, but I definitely will touch on it here today. Uh but yeah, so today's uh Thursday the the twenty sixth. Um last couple of days, uh Tuesday night, as I mentioned, a great, great game uh between Maryland and Wisconsin. Um arguably Wisconsin's biggest road game so far this year, at least in conference play for sure. Um they I I think you know, there's there's mixed thoughts about their uh their conference late so far. Um they've avoided a lot of the playing the tough teams twice and they haven't had to play a lot on the road. I mean if you if you even look down, you know, Purdue, they only played at home. Michigan State, they will only play at home. Um Iowa they did play on the road and at home, but they they could beat the Hawkeyes um, in Iowa City, Indiana only at home. So they've avoided at least three of the top five or six teams in the conference uh, on the road. Even even Illinois they they only play them at home. So I mean if if you look at projected uh, NCAA teams, bubble teams, they have really played two on the road in Big Ten play, which is kind of surprising. Um, considering that there are so many NCAA teams from the Big Ten this year. Granted, they do have another one coming up with Ohio State, but really it's Maryland and Iowa are the only quality teams, I'd say, or at least solidly good teams that Wisconsin has played on the road in conference play. But Wisconsin went down to Maryland. They lost. Maryland came out on top 59-53. Really a good win for the Terps. Uh, Rushed the court. Dez Wells... Played very well all night. Trimble made some big plays in that game, and it's a uh, it's a big statement about their season, about where that program could be headed, and really its its place in the Big Ten. I, I kind of wanted to get Andrew's perspective on, you know, how he kind of thought entering in and playing so well, and beating Wisconsin compared to the last couple of years, but. As I mentioned he couldn't make it, so uh, we'll reserve that kinda of for next week. But nonetheless, big win for Maryland. Uh last night a couple interesting games. Iowa Illinois battled it out. Iowa ended up beating Illinois. That's a that's a big blow for Illinois. Solid win for Iowa. Really really their their stress on selection Sunday is about gone, especially if they win. But I'll talk about them in a in a second here. But um the other game was Indiana against Northwestern. The Wildcats won their fourth straight game, which has been decades in the making. <laughs> but uh, they upset Indiana. The, I know Hoosier fans are starting to feel a little bit stressed about making the big dance after feeling so confident just a couple weeks ago. But that'll be, uh, again, I'll talk about their odds and that, But um, huge win for Northwestern. Uh, and I know they're going to get some mileage out of uh, a win over Indiana. Um, Tom Crean not had the best record against uh, the Wildcats during his tenure there. Tonight, um, I'd say tonight's one of the, the weaker slates of games, in all honesty. Um, Minnesota at Michigan State, Nebraska at Ohio State, and Rutgers at Purdue. Um, it's pretty rare that you'll you'll get a night in the Big Ten play with three games uh, and really none uh, (laughs) stand out. Um, You know, a a lot of people are interested in that Minnesota at Michigan State game, but I think the thing for me is anytime you have three teams that are the underdogs, you know, or at least would be the underdog on a neutral court, going on the road against better teams, you typically don't have the makings of (laughs) of a good night. Now, obviously we all know nothing's, Nothing's set in stone, but um you know that that's something that it makes your eyebrows go up a little bit if you do see like a Wisconsin traveling to a Maryland or you know a Maryland traveling to a Illinois, something like that where the perceived better team is on the road against the perceived weaker team um it does make it a little more interesting than the reverse, which is kind of what we have tonight um you know again and things could change but uh um i none of the three games are super super uh irritating on paper they they will have implications though especially if there are any upsets there because that would be huge to the um michigan state's Ohio state's and Purdue's NCAA chances but uh having kind of went through the the general outlay of things tonight um I kind of wanted to go through a few of the bubble teams here. Um, You know, the Big Ten currently, depending on who you listen to, is six to eight teams in the NCAA tournament. The vast majority have at least seven. And with Illinois going down to Iowa, um, a lot of them have reduced it to to seven. But most people feel about seven or eight teams are going to make it. Um, When you start going through, um, you have, I'd say, at least two, two that are locks for sure. I'd say Maryland, Wisconsin, um, Wisconsin has 25 wins. Maryland has 23 wins. They're not going to miss the tournament, even if they collapse and don't win another game, they will be in the NCAA tournament. Um, when you move past those two, you get three teams that I would say, well, I'd really say four teams um, that I think are on the verge of locking things up but aren't quite i would say uh iowa indiana michigan state and ohio state um and first i'll talk about the team that that's kind of the the hot commodity or hot story right now and that's indiana um going down to northwestern last night big blow um you can make a pretty strong argument that's the worst loss of the year. Even though they lost to eastern Washington at home. Um that was a brutal loss, Northwestern. Um Indiana, they're nineteen and ten overall, nine and seven in the conference. They have a lot of good wins. Um they haven't done much on the road. Uh they have they performed like an all right they performed like, you know, a slightly above bubble teams <laughs> to be honest. But um you know, when you when you look over their overall resume, I still think it's very strong. Um, because Eastern Washington is performing well in the RPI. That's the key point. If they fall, then the resume loses a lot of its luster. But you know, they, they have a win over Pitt, they have a win over Butler in non conference. Those are two solid ones. They beat SMU, who's played pretty well. They've beaten Illinois, they've beaten Ohio State, um, they beat Minnesota. Uh they they've beaten pretty much Overall, most of the teams they should have. Uh, if you actually look through, I mean, the the only games that they should have won that they lost, I'd say Eastern Washington, Northwestern, and I think you can make an argument Purdue at home. They probably should have won that game. Um, you know, not in the game, but just looking from an outside perspective on paper. But I still think the Hoosiers' resume is pretty strong, but there is a little worry there. And the thing that's really concerning for them is they have two home games now where they're 50-50 games, so they're going to have to win at least one of these and maybe two um, to get in. So maybe I, they're not quite as safe as I I suggested, but I I think they're they're in pretty good shape though.
1: That um, they get Iowa
0: at home, Michigan State at home, and then you know the Big Ten tournament. But uh, I I think with it, with even one more win there, I think they're pretty safe overall. I really do feel good about their chances, Um, unless, the one one unless is that if they lose two, lose the Big Ten tournament, there's no way, Um, if they win one of these and then maybe lose, end up against a 12 seed or something like that, maybe they could go down, but I I think they're a pretty strong, um, have pretty strong odds right now to get in. But uh, but moving down to the the second team I kind of have in this category is Iowa. They are 18-10 and 10 overall, 9-6. and six. Uh, Somewhat similar to Indiana, a little different, though. Really, if you look through their slate, they don't really have many bad losses at all. I think you could actually narrow it down to Minnesota, Northwestern. Those were rough losses. Outside of that, they got swept by Wisconsin. They lost to Michigan State. They lost to Purdue. They lost to the other two Iowa teams, Iowa State, Northern Iowa. Um uh, a mediocre Syracuse team, you know, an okay one and uh an okay Texas team. But still those are both on neutral courts, nothing nothing too alarming there. Um they've beaten Illinois, they've beaten Ohio they swept Ohio State actually, they beat Maryland. Um they have good wins. They don't have a lot of bad losses. Um pretty strong resume overall the only the only thing why I, I wouldn't put them in quite yet is they have another game with Penn State they have another game with Northwestern at least and the thing we know about the NCAA tournament is bad losses hurt a lot <laughs> and they have two sitting right there in the regular season before even a potential Big Ten tournament game that could be a massive RPI hit so that's the only thing I would say about Iowa they do win those two games though They should be smooth sailing, even if they lose to Indiana. I I think their resume is plenty strong enough. And, you know, they have 64% odds to beat Penn State and 86% odds to beat Northwestern uh, per Ken Palm. So I think they're sitting pretty solid overall. It's just about, you know, beating those two teams, really. And they they should be in, in my opinion. But moving down to Michigan State, uh, Spartans have four games left. As I mentioned, they get Minnesota tonight at home. Then they go on the road to Wisconsin, home against Purdue, and on the road against Indiana. Spartans, unlike Iowa, they don't have those you know potential bombs waiting <laughs> in a Northwestern or Penn state at least as the r p i is concerned so no no loss except for maybe tonight would be considered a bad loss to any of those three teams so that's uh that's one thing they can they can do I do think they have to at least get two more wins. I think they have to um beat Minnesota tonight for sure. If they beat Minnesota tonight to win one of those last three, they're in they're in good shape. Um and I don't think there'll be too much sweating unless they lose to a an okay at best uh team in the big ten tournament. Uh finally in this group I have uh Ohio State. They are coming off a two game losing streak against Michigan and Michigan State. But uh, overall, you know, nineteen and eight, eight and six. They beat Maryland. They beat Indiana. Um, they beat Illinois. They don't really have their worst loss could very well be at, at Michigan um, in a rivalry game. So I I think when you look at that, they don't have the bad losses. Um, granted, their next three um, and and just to jump back, their their schedule remaining is Nebraska home, Purdue home, and stay on the road wisconsin at home so they have three potential bad losses and then a very very tough wisconsin team at home to finish off the season but um assuming they can take care of business against nebraska oh purdue for some reason i was sorry uh wow that's a, a i don't know where i was on that purdue comment um uh, Nebraska at home is a potential bad loss. Purdue is a solid team at home. That will be a tough game. Um, I don't have any idea why I said that. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Nebraska and Penn State, if they can take care of business against those two, even if they drop Purdue and Wisconsin, they should be in fine shape. And, really, they're, they have a good shot to beat Purdue. I mean, they have 79% chance to beat Purdue. Per Ken um, I think things look pretty solid. Uh I mean they only need one more win to get to twenty and they still have no bad losses, at least outside of maybe Michigan. Um so I, I think the Buckeyes are sitting pretty solid right now to get in. Which moves us down to uh our final group, I would say, <laughs> is uh Indiana and Purdue, which are the which are bubble teams. Um no matter what anyone says or breaks down, those are two teams that are going to have to do get some work done. Um by most accounts Purdue is sitting on the right side of things, um, Illinois is sitting on the wrong side of things, but you know, give or take, a win or loss, so they're they're both in the mix. Um but first will jump into Purdue since they're kinda on the right side of things here. Um they have Rutgers at home tonight, as I mentioned. Um, then they go on the road to Ohio State, which, no, is not an uh, easy win for Ohio State. Um, at Michigan State, and then uh, at home against Illinois, which is
1: going to be a very
0: intriguing season finale for both those teams. But Rutgers would be an easy win tonight for Purdue, assuming they, they show up. <laughs> um they do – Purdue really needs to try to steal one of those road games with Michigan State and Ohio State. It's going to be tough, um, and neither loss should be bad or any hit to the resume, really. But um, if they could steal one, I think they'd be sitting good on selections. Of it's tough. Um, not too many teams can go to either one of those places and win, but um, that would be huge for Purdue. Um, but overall, I mean, even if they finish going to go into the Big Ten tournament um, – they're projected to be a pretty high seed, so they should have a very good matchup. Um, if they can do that, I think they're they're in good shape. Um, the important thing, do not lose to Rutgers tonight. They cannot lose to Rutgers, or they could be done. <laughs> and I'm not joking about that. Um, but, yeah, if they can get two wins um, before the year's done, I, I think they'll be all right, um, assuming they don't lose. They they really don't have a chance to lose to a bad team in the Big Ten tournament. Um Assuming they, they stay where they are in the standings. But, uh, but yeah, that's kind of where I see Purdue. Um, the other team that's kind of on the bubble here is uh, um, Illinois, who just lost to Iowa last night. Um, definitely not a bad loss, but, um, you know, they lost three in a row. They are to Wisconsin, Michigan State, and Iowa. But, uh, you know, three in a row is still three in a row. They're at 17-11, 7-8, and, and, and they do have, have um, some work cut out for them. And to be honest, they kind of have to make something up. And when you hear that, it means they need to upset somebody. (laughs) Um, Northwestern at home, they need to win that game. They cannot lose that game. Nebraska at home cannot lose that game. Um, Assuming they win those two teams, they're 19 and 11, but those aren't going to add a lot in terms of RPI, which makes that Purdue finale, incredibly important um if illinois can win their next three i think they can get in um they probably still need to win at least a big 10 tournament game but they should be sitting right on squarely on the bubble if not on the right side of the bubble if they win out um assuming they do not um since winning at purdue is pretty tough um, they're probably going to be slightly on the wrong side of things and will need at least a win, maybe two wins, depending on where they're seated in the Big Ten tournament. But uh, but overall, I, I think the Big Ten has a really good shot at um, seven teams. I think they have a great shot at six teams. Um, I, frankly, I, I wouldn't say lock it up until maybe tonight's games are over, but... Assuming Michigan State, Ohio State win tonight, I think you can pretty much lock in 16s for the Big Ten or the NCAA tournament. But you know the Big Ten's going to have to get some luck. They're going to have to have some things fall the right way for uh, um. Uh, what was I going to say? To uh, to get eight, uh, especially. But overall, that's kind of how I see it. It, it should be a, a lot of fun. That Purdue Illinois game, the close of the season is going to be a uh, a thrilling game. I Assuming mean, Illinois doesn't collapse uh in the next couple games. But uh but yeah, yeah, I, I'd say those are my overall thoughts there. Um uh again, uh just talking about the bubble teams, um and i going to move on to talk about uh the other topic which Kind of uh, lit a fire under me <laughs> and, and a lot of people recently was the the Big Ten scheduling announcement. Uh, just to just to kind of set the table here, um, each year um, towards the end of the season, the Big Ten releases what they call the the matchups for the for the next season. Every team in the Big Ten will play eighteen regular season conference games. Um, they will play every team once which means you have 13 games set up. You know, there are 14 conferences. You can't play yourself, or 14 teams in the conference. You can't play yourself. That's 13 games, which leaves five. They fill those five games with plays, which means you may play Michigan State twice. You may play Illinois twice. You may play Purdue twice. Um, and those rotate. So um, if you played Michigan State twice this year, you're not going to play them next year and so on and so forth until you go through all the teams and then they start again and gradually rotate through the whole the whole schedule there. However, the issue is, is that the Big Ten has these things called rivalry games. <laughs> um, and what happens is because they rotate through like this, Indiana and Purdue, who are arch rivals, everyone knows about the rivalry, usually perceived as the best, Basketball rivalry in the Big Ten—they played each other twice this year. They're not playing twice next year due to this rotation. The year after that, they may not play twice again, and and so on. And and the thing is, is is what happens is over time, instead of playing your rival twice as you would hope, you end up playing them once and playing them twice every every uh, few years. And you know, if the Big Ten keeps adding teams, which who knows if they will or won't. Um, They really start becoming fewer and uh, fewer uh, rivalry games, which I think to any Big Ten fan is kind of insulting considering how great those games are, if anyone's attended them. They're thrilling. They're entertaining. Um, The intensity's up there. The players want it. The coaches want to coach in those games. The fans want to watch those games. The TV viewers want to turn on those games. (laughs) Um, So I think there is an issue about potentially what I would call watering down the products, in the sense that, you know, you're not going to get to see Michigan, Ohio State twice a year, except every, you know, four or five years or whatever it adds up to be. Um, And the same with Indiana, Purdue, and so on. So I actually wrote an editorial piece for E.T. Powerhouse, I want to say last week, yeah, Um, kind of highlighting this problem, what I would do with it, Um, got mixed response, but I I think overall most of the people were on board with something has to be done. Um, The issue is what, what's the best solution. Um, I put forth a couple options and what I believe is the best, uh, and I'll go through those in a second. But I I think the big thing before I I get into those that I want to stress is that even if you don't agree with – my particular solution. I, I think it's pretty obvious that something at least has to be done, um, and, and not because I think this is a the rivalry games need to stand above anything else, but you do have to realize that these are the games that people want to watch. <laughs> these are going to get the people that want BTN, to want these random, you know, weekly matchups, and, and to just talk about that a little more, um, you know, I'm a I'm a big-time Michigan fan. I went here, graduated from Michigan, and uh, Michigan has not had a great year. (laughs) I don't think there's any way to get around it. Um, They've had great success the last few years, um, certainly, but this year have not played that great. They're going to be fighting for an MIT bid over the next couple weeks. They'll have to have a miracle run to make the NCAA tournament. Um, I, I don't think there's any doubt they haven't been met the expectations of the program this year. However, I can tell you they played Michigan State at home, and they played Ohio State at home last week. Both games were exciting. The crowds were jacked up. The fans were jacked up. They were both on national TV um, and not BTN, CBS, ESPN. Um, Full coverage. They got attention. Best players were interested. Um, Some of the biggest home games Michigan's had all year, and that wasn't because Michigan's been playing great. That's because they're rivalry games. Um, and I, I don't go through this whole story because I want to argue that Michigan's and something like that. But I, I just want to point out that these games do mean something. They are different. They're, this isn't just somebody talking about, you know, a game in the 1970s. They, these are quality matchups that people want to watch. Having having said that, um, in terms of solutions, um, I know you know, you, I said it in the article, it's easy to complain about it, which I think most fans do, especially of, of teams that are in these rivalry games, um, of this, you know, scheduling issue. But it it's hard to offer a solution that works, that everyone can agree to or at least compromise to. However, the one the one that i I think is the most appropriate are to protect the rivalry games um, and what I say by that is not to go through and create rivalry games to protect and and I'll explain that in a second, but to protect the recognized rivalry games um there there's been talk about potentially adding creating divisions to ensure that rivalries. Um, you know, if you're in your division, you'll play twice. Um, if you're not, you'll play just once a year or I I think the issue with that division, um, or setting up divisions is the numbers don't add up. (laughs) There are 14 teams. If you play every team in your own division twice, you can't play every team from the other division once, which means there will be somebody who you don't play. um, some fans are fine with that. I'm not fine with that. I think when you have 18 conference games, there's no excuse not to play everyone at least once. Um, I, I think that's where I draw the line on, you know, rivalry shouldn't be valued over playing everyone at least once. Um, that's something I would say. But, uh, cause, you, you know, you never know who's going to be the best. I, I think
1: Maryland wasn't
0: perceived as a great team this year, and if Wisconsin and Maryland were in different divisions, they may have not played this year. And if we missed out on that matchup, that was one of the best Big Ten games of the year, and I think you potentially shorten out the the viewers from that as well. Um, and granted, it's it's all you know choices on what you want to what you want to cut here. We don't have unlimited games, but I think every team should play at least once. I, I think that's something that does make sense that everyone can get behind. But you know, I think that's the issue with the divisions. You know, assuming moving on from divisions I would say um there there are two big proposals the first one is mine which I'll I'll go get to in a second about protecting rivalries but the other one is you know we should protect a rivalry between every team has one protected rivalry and and this is what I'm talking about with creating rivalries i my system that i would like to see in place is to protect seven rivalry games and i'll I'll go through them here I would protect Illinois, Northwestern, Indiana, Purdue, Iowa, Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, Michigan, Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State, Minnesota, Wisconsin. Um, So basically you have the the triangle rivalry with Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa. You have the triangle with Michigan, uh, or not the triangle, but Michigan, Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State, and then Illinois, Northwestern, um, and Indiana, Purdue. But – the difference here is a lot of other people want to protect the rivalry for every team. Because as you notice there are three teams that I did not I do not list there. Um or actually I should say four teams, sorry. Uh Maryland, Penn State, Rutgers and Nebraska, um, all the newcomers or you know, Penn State's been around since the nineties, but all the newest teams, um, don't really have a rivalry per se. And and the reason why, I think, is um, one of the issues with protecting rivalries, as you probably guessed by now, is you don't rotate through the other teams as much. You know, if you have five double plays, and we'll take Michigan, for instance, um, and you play Michigan State and Ohio State twice every year, you're only going to rotate through the other teams in those three remaining games. What that means is, your schedule's not going to be as balanced year in and year out. Um, and this is a it's a legitimate criticism. Um, I'm not super concerned about that, and I'll get to that in a second here. But um, I, I think the issue is is if you don't need to protect a rivalry, you shouldn't to try to help that schedule be as evenly matched across the entire conference as possible. You know, Nebraska, you know, maybe they'll develop a rivalry one day. With someone, maybe Iowa. Who knows? You know, maybe they'll develop one with uh, Ohio State. I I can't sit here and say I don't think anyone can say if one will or won't, won't develop. They don't have one right now. They don't. And the fact is, is if you're forcing them to have a double play with someone, just to have a double play with someone, you're you're shortening them out of rotating to the other teams as well to play a team that they're not really rival rivals with. I think we saw this in the, uh, when, you know, if you follow Big 10 football, when they tried to do it with the legends and leaders divisions, they had to have a protected rivalry for everyone, even though not all the rivalries were rivalry games. Um, it it just didn't make sense. Um, and I think if you restrict it to these seven or, you know, whatever people agree on as the rivalry games, I think you, you set things up really well. Um, to have all the games protected that you want, and then have the schedule rotate through as much as it can. Um, and and the other element I would add, which uh, I, I know a couple people thought this was an interesting take, but uh, refuse the rivalries. You know, have a committee come together five, ten years, you know, whatever you decided to be. Maybe it's the athletic directors to say, hey, you know what? We need another rivalry. You know, one of the rivalry games I think we see popping up right now is Maryland. Um, Penn State, we saw it in football, we're sitting in on the basketball court. I'm willing to bet within 10 years this will be a accepted rivalry game. If it is, add it. <laughs> you know, keep adding them until it, it's just not feasible or you just don't want to. Um, and I think if you keep that, again, you get all the key matchups you want You get all the matches that are going to make the conference better, that are going to get viewers to tune in, that are going to turn recruits' heads, get them to visit campus without completely destroying the schedule rotation. Um, So I'd say that's the proposal I would put on the table. Now, to answer some of the, what I would call the criticisms here, um, these are people who kind of support the system. Some of the biggest things I talked about, you know, scheduling uh, schedule difficulty, whether they're balanced, whether they're not balanced. The the one issue I have with the whole concept of, you know, protecting rivalries would not make the schedules balanced is, first off, the schedules are never balanced. You know, overall they balance out, but teams change every year. Some teams are tougher. Some are weaker every year. You can't really save for a fact. I think there are trends, you know, typically – uh <laughs> this will sound funny compared to last night, but uh Indiana typically is a better pro you know, better team than Northwestern. It's historically that's how it worked out. They typically get better recruits, they typically just have better teams. Now it doesn't mean, for instance, like this year when Northwestern beat 'em. You know, on paper, hey, we have a road game at Northwestern, that could be easy. Or, you know, very winnable, at least. It wasn't. <laughs> so you, you don't know you can't predict it is, is the first thing i would say you know with this many moving parts you can't sit here and say for a fact team a will be better than team b after that what i would say is to 7 8 maybe 9 rivalries whatever you know you want it to be we're not really affecting that many games we've already established that you play every team at least once, so 13 of every team's conference games are already set. That's more than half. <laughs> already set. And they will rotate through every year to every team. So we're talking about first five of 18. We're already down. And they're the only team who will have two, which are Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, those are the only teams under my rivalry that I selected, that would have two; the rest would just have one. Take like Michigan State. We're talking about one of eighteen games. That's really not not that big of a deal um, when you're talking about a you know what a thirty game season, if long, you know maybe longer. So I, I think it, it's really reduced. Um, and the second thing is is that uh, even for the the two teams um or the four teams that have would have two, they want to play those teams, you know. As a Michigan fan, I can tell you I want Michigan playing Michigan State and Ohio State twice. No offense to uh, you know, a Rutgers or a Nebraska or Wisconsin, but those are the teams that really get the blood boiling and not just the blood boiling in general. That's on a yearly basis, like this year, when Michigan's not as good. It's still a big game. And I think that's something that people overlook is, you know, in years when you're great, like this year, when Wisconsin's really good, I'm sure there are a lot of teams around the conference that would love to play them twice because they're a big draw, especially if they don't get a home game, such as, you know, Purdue against Wisconsin. In a year like this, hey, maybe they would rather play Wisconsin at home than play Indiana at home. You you can't say for a fact, but this is a year-in and year-out thing. And overall, you're going to want your rivalry games twice. So that that that's kind of how I look at it in the you know the criticism of schedule strength. I, I think it's people overblow it. And I think the other thing is is that um you, people want to play these games. <laughs> this is, you know they should want to play the more challenging teams. And I and I think because it's such a small percentage overall, it's really not going to hurt the bids or anything like that long term. But I, I'd say that's overall my take there um, in terms of the schedule. I don't anticipate anything's going to happen, but I think there is going to come a year when the Big Ten will hopefully at least start to recognize a couple of the rivalries. I mean, even at at Purdue, that's at least a start. Um, we'll see, but it's a shame if, you know, Big Ten teams are going to have to start scheduling Big Ten teams in non-conference to get, you know, to two games a year that'll be that'll be very disappointing but but overall um you know we'll see how it goes next year I know I know none of those rivalry games I mentioned are played twice but um you know I'm sure we'll have plenty of great games regardless and I guess it'll make those single single plays more, more intense but, but overall yeah that's ab- that's about all I have for this week um again w- wish Andrew have been here to talk to Maryland but uh Hopefully, we'll have him on next time and uh thanks everyone for checking us out. We'll be back uh hopefully next Thursday to talk more about big Ten uh as we get towards the money the money part of the season here all right uh thanks bye.